You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, and welcome to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Thank you for joining us today. We're your hosts. My name is Marcy Davis, and my co-host is my trusty service dog, Whistle. And Whistle and I are thrilled to be with you today to talk about our favorite subject, working dogs and working animals. And today, our guest is John Moon from Needs. And NEEDS is a program for people who are deaf, and it also stands for Dogs for Deaf and Disabled Americans. And John is the NEEDS Director of Programs and Communications. So come right back after these quick messages as we welcome John Moon to the show. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Petco, where the pets go. Pet Life Radio has tail wagging, fur flying, fabulous deals for our listeners from Petco. Get $6 off your order of $60 or more and up to 40% off the entire Petco site. That's right. But that's not all. Because you're a Pet Life Radio listener, you'll also get free shipping on your order of $49 or more. $6 off, up to 40% off, and free shipping from Pet Life Radio and Petco. To get these awesome deals, go to PetcoDeals.com. That's PetcoDeals.com. Petco, where the pets go. I'm not much of a reader, but I do wish I were more well-read. There are so many great books coming out. I wish I could find a way to keep up. Audible.com makes it easy to stay well-informed and catch up on your reading simply by listening. Audiobooks from Audible turn downtime into uptime. You'll be more productive and become well-read. Now I'm able to catch up on all the great books I've been wanting to read. With Audible, I feel smarter. Pet Life Radio listeners, try Audible.com now and get your first 30 days of Audible Listener Gold Membership plan free. And get a free audiobook. Choose from over 100,000 titles. To get this great deal, go to audibledeals.com. That's audibledeals.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Today, our guest is John Moon from Needs. Hello, John, and welcome to the show. Oh, Marcy, good morning. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Well, we're so thrilled you could be with us today to talk about your program. We want to hear all about Needs. Oh, I'm happy to share anything that I possibly can about uh, the assistance dogs that we train for people that have uh, a disability. Yeah, well, tell us, how did Needs come into being? You know, that's a great question, Marcy. We um, Needs really began back in 1976, which makes us nearly 40 years old. Needs started off as a hearing ear dog program. We have continued that program to today. It makes us uh, the oldest hearing ear dog program in the United States. Dogs that are trained for people that have hearing loss respond to sounds that people that have hearing loss can't hear 
whether it's a microwave or a knock on the door or even someone calling their name. Essential kinds of tasks, even in today's world where there's technology like cochlear implants, when people remove those in the evening to go to bed, they're still deaf and perhaps at their most vulnerable, you know, at that point. So we are still training quite a large number of hearing dogs for people that come to us. We actually have four clients on campus last week and this training with their dogs. And all of our hearing dogs are rescue dogs as well. We find that they're typically the most high-energy dog, and that high energy allows them to run back and forth from the sound to their human partner, alerting them that, again, there's a microwave buzzer going off or, or even to wake them up in the morning. Oh, that's wonderful. I love that. And I love that you guys use, use shelter and rescue dogs. Are there any types of dogs that work better or can it really be any kind of high energy dog? It really can be any kind of high energy dog. Oftentimes, though, the hearing dogs are smaller in stature, literally smaller in height and weight, you know, than the assistance dogs that we train. But really, it's, it's the experienced trainers that we have that go to uh, two or three specific shelters uh, where they have good relationships with the, the owners and they you know test each of the rescue dogs that are being considered. And then these dogs actually, once they're selected, are put into a very particular correctional facility where our hearing dogs are trained in some of the basic kinds of commands. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, I was reading about where Needs was really one of the first leaders in prison training programs. Yes, we started about 15 years ago here in Massachusetts with a a program that we call the Prison Pup Partnership. And it's funny because uh, 15 years ago, I know that when the Department of Corrections of Massachusetts was trying to reach out to our executive director, she was running in the opposite direction, thinking this really can't be a good idea. And yet it really has, has proven to be an exceptionally strong training uh, opportunity for our assistance dogs because we can train more dogs more quickly. On the flip side of that, though, you've got the inmates and even the correctional officers that are seeing a different level of humanity that exists inside of the correctional facilities than existed prior to the dog's arrival. Yeah. So it has a you know, tendency to give the inmate something purposeful and meaningful to do, but also, again, calms things down a little bit with the participants in the program who are very carefully screened from the outset. Yeah, it just seems like a win-win for everybody involved. It's really wonderful. So let me just ask you, John, so do you guys, so you're saying that you train, because I always thought needs just train dogs for people who are deaf or hard of hearing, but you're saying you do those types of hearing dogs as well as mobility type assistance dogs as well? You're right, Marcy. We, well, based on the experience that we developed over 30, nearly 40 years, we have slowly added additional kinds of programs to help people with different types of disabilities benefit really from canine assistance. So really, whether it's a child with autism, whether it's a wounded veteran from Iraq or Afghanistan, either with a physical wound or even post-traumatic stress, someone using a wheelchair or someone using a crutches or a cane, all of these folks could benefit from the kinds of assistance dogs that NEEDS trains. That said, NEEDS does not train all kinds of assistance dogs. 
your listeners may be familiar with um, seizure alert dogs or even dogs that can detect uh, dropping glucose levels in someone's uh, bloodstream. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't train either of those kinds of dogs, but th- they do exist here in the United States with other programs that exist. But we do have a wide range of assistance dogs that do help people with mobility challenges, oftentimes doing the kinds of tasks I'm assuming that you and I probably take for granted, like flipping on a light switch or even opening up a, a door. Yeah, well, I certainly don't take those for granted because, boy, I love it when Whistle does that for me every day. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I'm mesmerized every time he does it. Yep. <laughs> it's yeah, a beautiful well, thing. It is. It is a tremendous thing. And it sounds like you guys serve both adults and kids. Yes, we do. We um, Several years ago, we began uh, as as really... The United States has been grappling with for a long time, the high incidence of autism. And it's been shown really that a child with autism, depending on where they happen to be on the spectrum, really can benefit from the socialization and even the regiment uh, of caring for an assistance dog. Oftentimes, that child is going to need someone responsible above them, like a mother or a father, uh, who is able to, you know, care for that dog. And yet there's some some discipline, if you will, in each dog day's life. The going to the bathroom, the feeding of the dog, even when a child is brushing its own teeth, mm-hmm. his or her own teeth, they can use that time to even brush the dog's teeth. So there's some structure that can be, um, you know, set up around that child and around the family's activities that help put some structure, if you will, around that child's activities and also helps with the socialization for that child so that sometimes when people would be coming up to say hello to the adult as opposed to the child, they can now ask the child, hey, who's, uh, who's your dog with you? And by the way, who are you? Yeah, yeah. Bridge. Awesome. Socialization. Yeah, yeah, it makes it so much easier for the child and for anyone who's asking. It certainly takes a lot of pressure off off both of them. It does, because some of us, as, you know, just as humans, sometimes we don't know what to say to someone. The high incidence, really, of, of autism in the United States and perhaps even the world and our ability to provide very highly trained assistance dogs is a real benefit, not just to the child, or to the mother, uh, but to the entire family. It tends to uh, the, the inclusion of a dog in a family and one that is very, very gentle, for example, and one that, that uh, drives a, a real connection with their human partner makes it so that, that the child experiences no, no real judgment about how they speak or how they move. And, you know, the dog loves their partner unconditionally. And that is something that the child may not have experienced in its earlier years. We have also seen sometimes a child that is uncommunicative become communicative based on the trustworthiness and the uh, you know, lack of uh, stigma that the dog has you know, about what the, the child is grappling with. Yeah, that's so incredible. You know, dogs are so amazing that way, and it, it does. It has so many impacts on an individual, and I can only imagine a child with autism of, of what that relationship with that dog can do for them. 
Well, it's a, it is a genuine connection, not just with a child with autism, but I, but I mean any client really has a, has a very genuine yeah. connection to their dog. And when the dog is actually doing tasks that are essential to that person's day-to-day life, mm-hmm. the dog takes on, I believe, a much, much higher order of purpose, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. It almost, I I know I always say for myself and for my whistles, my third assistance dog, but it's really like we become one. We really do because I know last night I was, we were out having dinner and I got my wallet out to pay for dinner and I dropped it and whistle was laying right beside me. Didn't even stand up. He just picked up the wallet and handed it to me and I didn't even have to say anything. So there was no embarrassment. There was no, you know, it was just incredible. And, you know, you are a very good example, Marcia, of, of someone whose dog is faithful, loyal. There, to me, there, there is always an emotional as well as a functional value to the assistance dogs. Yeah. Uh, and their relationship with their partner. Absolutely. Well, tell me, how does someone go up about applying for a needs dog? Well, that's a great question. We have an online application process. Someone from anywhere in the United States can apply for an assistance dog or a hearing dog from needs, but that piece of paper is one-dimensional. We have a a woman here named Kathy Foreman, who is our client coordinator. Kathy's been with us for 30 years, and one of the things we pride ourselves on at needs is matching the right dog with the right person. We don't feel that any dog can work for anybody. Yeah, that's a critical piece, yes. It's very, very important, Marcy, that uh, we understand how someone moves, what kind of range of motion they have, what kind of cognitive abilities they have to be able to work with a dog. Otherwise, they might need a facilitator helping them work with that dog. But it it is a process where if someone could not travel to needs, for example, for an in-person interview, we would use Skype to interview them. So again, we could see how someone moves, their range of motion. If they're using a wheelchair, can they reach to the floor to pick something up or do they really need a dog to help them do that? Or even the push plates on doors, can is the dog needed in order to get up and nudge that push plate for the door to swing open automatically? Or even turning on a light switch, does someone have the hand strength or maybe are they missing their hand mm-hmm. uh, could the dog help them turn on a light or even go into a refrigerator to get medication or water so the height of the dog is important the temperament is important because as with humans dogs come in different shapes and sizes and have different uh, personalities Why yes we- they do yes <laughs> yes yes well, and so what's your waiting time usually when someone applies and they have their interview either in person or, or through Skype? Then what's the next step? The average waiting time, RC, is about six months. That's uh, great. It, well, we're very fortunate. We have probably 90 dogs in training, and they could be anywhere from 10 weeks of age to 16 to 17 months of age because it takes us about 18 months to fully train a dog And that begins very early at about eight weeks of age. We have a waiting list of about 80 to 85 uh, clients. And yet using the term waiting list means that the next person on the waiting list would get the next dog, which is not quite accurate. 
again, because we want to make sure that we match the right dog with the needs of that individual or that individual's living situation. Right. Yeah. Well, we are going to take just a quick break and hear some messages from our sponsors. And we're going to come right back and keep talking to John because I have some more questions for him. And I know you want to hear more about how you can get a dog and, and how the dog's needs are trained. So come right back after these quick messages. We'll be right back right after these messages. Stay tuned. Introducing the new Brett Michaels Pets Rock Collection exclusively at PetSmart. I created it for the pets that rock your world. Shop the Brett Michaels Pets Rock Collection and celebrate PetSmart's 25th anniversary with up to 25% off thousands of items on the PetSmart site. Plus, free shipping on orders of $49 or more. Go to PetSmartDeal.com. That's PetSmartDeal.com. P-E-T-S-M-A-R-T-D-E-A-L.com. Dyson. The new Dyson Animal Backs are powerful bagless upright vacuums for homes with pets. Air muscle and radio root cyclone technology generates the strongest suction power to powerfully remove dust, dirt, and pet hair from the home or car. To order your Dyson Animal Vac, go to DysonDeals.com. DysonDeals.com to order your Dyson Animal Vac today. Dyson. Music to your ears. Love your pets but wish their medications were a lot less expensive? They are at 1-800-PET-MEDS. You'll not only save on flea and heartworm medications, but on prescriptions for arthritis, incontinence, thyroid, and more. And you get fast service, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Plus, our licensed pharmacists ensure accuracy, monitor drug interaction, and more. See why over 5 million people have trusted their pet's health to 1-800-PET-MEDS, America's largest pet pharmacy. Call now or order online. Go to PetMeds.com forward slash work, W-O-R-K, to get 10% off any order and free shipping on orders of $39 or more at PetMeds.com. When you're looking to add a pet into your life, consider adopting a homeless animal from your local shelter or rescue group. Whether you want a kitten, puppy, or a more mature pet, a purebred or a -a one-of-a-kind mixed breed, even a rabbit or hamster, your shelter has the best selection of animals anywhere, all screened for good health and behavior. PetLifeRadio.com presents Take Me Home with your host, Susan Daffron. Join us each week as we showcase wonderful pets, tell stories, and even throw some pet education into the mix. So get ready to find out why the pet adoption option can be a great way to add a furry companion into your life. Take me home every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On PetLife Radio. PetLife Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. And we're visiting today with John Moon from the Needs Program. 
And we were talking all about before the break about how someone can apply for a needs dog. And I think it's so great that that you do serve both children and adults can receive a dog. And you were telling me, John, that you have about a six-month waiting list, which is really awesome because when I applied for my first dog a long time ago, it was a four-year waiting list. So I'm so glad to hear that you guys are are six months. And you said it was 18 months to train a dog. Can you tell us more about the training methods that you guys practice? Sure. We use positive reinforcement for all of the training that's done with our dogs. Training really begins at about eight weeks of age in our early learning center, which is just up uh, uh, on part of our campus here uh, in Princeton, Massachusetts. And when they first come into the early learning center, the puppies are exposed to a lot of the different sights and sounds and smells that they'll eventually encounter when they're matched with someone, their human partner. And by that, I mean inside of the Early Learning Center, we have tapes running of sounds, jackhammers, vacuum cleaners, air brakes, sewing machines, you name it. Uh, Those are running constantly. Plus, the dogs are taken out for socialization into town as puppies. They're taken into town, out to malls, or even to concerts, so that they're, again, being exposed to things that they will eventually see. Once they have spent a couple, three, four weeks here in our early learning center, they will then be placed into one of the 13 correctional facilities where some of the standardized training takes place. And the puppies will spend, again, about 16 months inside of a correctional facility being trained in basic commands, and yet you've got a network around each of those 13 correctional facilities, you have a network of weekend puppy raisers, all volunteers who are going into each of the correctional facilities every Friday afternoon, picking up their puppy and all the things that those people and families do on the weekend, going to dinner, going to a concert, going to food shopping, that puppy in training will accompany them, again, exposing it to sights and sounds and smells that they don't encounter inside of the correctional facility. And then on Sunday, at the end of the weekend, those weekend puppy raisers will return that puppy to the correctional facility. Each week throughout those 16 months of training, each week our trainers are going into that correctional facility and working with the inmates to introduce new commands or overcome any challenges that they might be having with their current list of commands that they're practicing with their puppy. So we through this process of the trainers visiting the correctional facility every week and the constant communication that the trainers have with our client coordinator, we begin building a profile of each dog, what its capabilities happen to be, what its likes and dislikes are, what its personality is, does it like to wear a backpack, things like that, so that we know intimately what's going on with each puppy. That's so great. And that, I mean, that is such a wraparound, really making sure that you're covering all the bases. That's so comprehensive. Well, it's something, again, we've been around for almost 40 years. And I'd say that the, the, you know, the processes that we use have evolved and progressed and developed as far as uh, being a standard you know, that we rely on and that we trust. I will say also that in a number of things I might have described in the past few moments, Needs relies a lot on the generosity of the volunteer community that we have, and we have 
a pretty extensive one, as you can imagine. Weekend puppy raisers volunteering their time, usually yeah. three out of four weekends a month, but also people coming here to our main offices to help with feeding the dogs, walking the dogs, cleaning the kennels. There's a lot of people that believe not just in what we do, but in the mission that we have and choose to support us with time, talent, or treasure. Well, I was wondering about that, about how do you recruit these volunteers for these programs? What what are all the opportunities that someone might be able to get engaged with needs? Well, oftentimes we'll have volunteer uh, opportunities posted on the website. There is certainly a volunteer application there. But people that become connected to us oftentimes do so because of listening to shows like yours, where there is attention drawn to working dogs. Someone may even hear about needs in particular as, as a result of listening to this show. But people tend to become connected to us because they might know someone who has autism or someone with multiple sclerosis who has benefited from an assistance dog. They begin looking around for places where they could volunteer. And in our case, back here in Massachusetts, you know, we're lucky to have, I believe, a very strong reputation and good reach. But when people come here, they, they oftentimes feel like they're becoming part of a family because of how we go about doing what we do. And again, we're not like working for a commercial venture. There's a mission behind what goes on at Needs, and by extension, most assistance dog programs. And that mission is something that, that people believe in and want to participate in and help incorporate into their life. So in some respects, we've got a very compelling story, if you will, that, mm-hmm. that matters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a wonderful opportunity for someone that could really make a difference in so many people's lives by spending some of their time. And then I know there are people that don't have the time. So I love that you call it their treasure and that they can donate because I know some people feel guilty for just donating. But boy, that makes such a huge difference for programs like yours that really depends on that and needs that so much to continue doing the great work that you're doing. Well, we're very fortunate, Marcy, honestly, that we have a strong following. We'd obviously like to expand the people that are aware of what we do and who we do it for. Again, men, women, veterans, children, all of these groups and individuals, if you will, have a capability to benefit from an assistance dog and even participation in helping us fulfill the mission. And participation comes in in shapes and sizes, all different kinds. But, you know, from the volunteers to a donation to even, you know, naming a puppy after (laughs) someone or something that made a difference in their life. Well, I, I have to say, I look forward to seeing the puppy pictures that that you guys put up on Facebook. I love your puppy pictures, and we love to put them on on Working Like Dogs and on International Assistance Dog Facebook pages. We love to share those pictures. They're awesome. Well, they're awesome, and it really is. It's a beautiful thing, Marcy, that puppies can grow up times to be working dogs, strong companions. Anybody that has a dog or a pet in their life knows the the emotional connection that that an animal can bring. And yet I, I really do feel that the dog's functional tasks that the dogs do for their partner makes them even more valuable, if you will, and there's an even stronger emotional connection. 
Definitely, definitely. It's it's hard to articulate that connection because it is so deep. The depth of it is just, it's really amazing. Well, and I know that you guys, you have something what you call facility-based training. Can you tell us about that, John? Oh, that's a great question. We call it facility-based training because we ask for clients to come back here to the Needs Campus for either a week or two weeks of training. The week's worth of training is typically for our social dogs, which are matched with children with autism, and also our hearing dog clients. But the two weeks of training is for someone who has an assistance or a facilitated uh, assistance dog or even a service dog. They come and they spend a couple weeks with us in our converted farmhouse that we have. I'm looking at it outside my window right now. And we have six bedrooms uh, within the, the house. And there's also uh, some folks that stay above the living quarters so that there's always someone on campus and in the house when there are clients here training. Nice. Well, I bet they have a lot of fun in that farmhouse. Well, they do. There's a, there's a, <laughs> it's a real art to matching up, you know, the right people that come here for training. And we also want to maintain a, you know, a close relationship with the people that are here training. So it's, it's never more than four people here training at one time. Um, and again, we keep that, that close relationship with, uh, with our clients, both while they're here and uh, forever. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it's so nice for them to be able to, to share that space together so that they can share their concerns, their, their triumphs when things are working, because it's really hard when you start working with a new dog and, and the challenges. And so I'm sure it's really nice that they have that support from each other during that week or two weeks that they're there together working that's really true. They do form very strong bonds. They tend to, to stay in touch with each other for a long time after leaving here. And, you know, we also ask clients to come back after training. We have two graduations a year, typically in March and then again in November, where really people come back after some period of time working in their home setting uh, with their dog. When they come back for graduation, it's almost a chance for all of us to to really strongly connect with our mission because usually clients will talk about how their life has changed uh, Mm -hmm. since they've been out in the community working with their dog. Uh, And it's a chance for us and us being the weekend puppy raisers, the supporters of needs, the trainers to come together and say, you know what, they're doing really damn well. Look at how great that is. Yeah, that must be a big celebration. (laughs) It is. It's a a big party. Um, Yeah, I bet. It is quite special. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've been to many graduations over the years, and they are just, they're tear jerkers, but it's tears of joy from all the hard work that's gone in from, like you said, the puppy raisers, the volunteers in the prison program, the inmates. I mean, there's just so many people that have touched these dogs' lives to make them the successful working dog that they become. It's awe-inspiring just to, to really think about that and to stop and just give reverence to that for a moment and celebrate it. It's just amazing. It's amazing, and again, it reconnects everybody with their purpose in being part of the needs family. Yeah, I'm sure it rejuvenates and gets them ready to have more people come to the farmhouse so they can continue that work. Do you guys, <laughs> and you do that all year, so they come for a week or two weeks, but does that run all year, or are there certain months that you have people on campus? 
No, it really runs all year long. I think the only thing that impacts us are the are the major holidays that people celebrate. You know, we're very respectful of obviously the Christmases and New Year's and Hanukkahs and such that we would, you know, not schedule uh, training sessions around and also people's individual uh, schedules that we need to be mindful of as well. Oh, that's great. Well, tell us, John, how can our listeners contact you or the NEEDS program? Well, there's a couple different ways, Marcy. I would say I would direct a lot of people to our website, which is NEADS.org. We are listed also as part of Assistance Dogs International, which is our accrediting agency. They can come to us uh, through, through the Assistance Dogs International website. And our phone number is 978-422-9064. Uh, there are ways, again, for people to submit an, uh, an application to volunteer. There's a way uh, for people to uh, donate either to the organization or even to the clients. Uh, that might be doing some fundraising of their own. We do ask that a client help support the responsibility of having an assistance dog by helping to fundraise approximately $9,500 of the total $25,000 that it costs us to raise and train a dog over 18 months. So there's a variety of ways that people can help support the organization. We do offer uh, tours as well of our campus. We sit on 18 acres here in Princeton, Mass., and uh, I think most people, when they come and they see the, the training facilities, the kennels, the early learning center, it's eye-opening that a program like ours that trains approximately 50 teams a year, we'd like to get that to 75 teams a year. It's amazing what takes place on these 18 acres. It's, uh, it's a remarkable setting. Yeah, well, it sounds like a, a wonderful place to visit. I hope that Whistle and I will get out there one of these days. It'll be a little more. Uh, it'll be a little cooler than where you're used to, Marcy. But we would yeah. love to come back and visit. <laughs> well, we would love to, and we can't thank you enough, John, for being with us today and and talking with us about needs. And thank you for the incredible work that you and all your staff and volunteers are doing. It's just wonderful. Thanks for having us today. Very, very much. It's a real honor and a pleasure to share our organization with your listeners. Well, thank you, and we hope you'll come back and keep us posted about the great work that you're doing. We shall. Okay. And thank you, our listeners, for being with us. We're so glad that you could join us. And we love getting your emails, so please keep those coming. And you can email me at marcy, M-A-R-C-I-E, at PetLifeRadio.com. And you can also follow Working Like Dogs on Facebook and Twitter. And you can read our blog at WorkingLikeDogs.com. So thanks for being with us. And come back soon and take good care. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.